0: are amazing, 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 amazing. There's a fly ball, hit on to the left, waiting is Jones, the Mets of the World Champion. Here's the one-two pitch, check him out, Steve has 19 strikeouts. Swung on, hit on the ground towards
1: Andrew Jones on the run. This one has a chance. come run Mike Piazza, and the Mets lead 3-2. To,
0: to left field, Floyd, and after winning one shot over the National League, the Mets have a title show for it. 2006 National League East champions. Here's the payoff pitch from Familia to Fowler on the way, and it's in there, strike three called.
2: The Mets win the pennant. The New York Mets have won the National League pennant. Put it in the box. It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Sunday, July the 28th, 2019. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at the talkinmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. Welcome to the show here on this Sunday. And, you know, I was going to start out, and this is why the best laid plans with these shows, with these podcasts, especially at these times of the year, you know, even in the winter, you know, I cringe sometimes if I do an early Sunday podcast because you never know what could happen. It doesn't matter if it's during the winter meetings or in the dead of January, you never know what could happen. And and here I was, I was about to, and I have joining us in just a little bit uh, Rich Mancuso of New York Sports Day. Our friend gonna be who was at City Field and is is involved in all the craziness that went on after the game today, and nobody cares that the Mets, by the way, are fifty and fifty-five and making some moves towards five hundred and some moves towards being in the wild card race. So you know, nobody cares about that now. But I was gonna talk about hey, you guys all gotta calm down because all this buzz that you hear on Twitter. Whether it be Ken Rosenthal or Buster Olney or Joel Sherman or Andy Martino or any of the guys tweeting out rumors, there is so much buzz in today's day and age between the agents and the scouts and the members of front offices that used to work for Fangraphs or Baseball Reference or whatever Baseball America, Baseball Prospectus. I mean, everybody's got a source. I do too. I even reached out to a scout friend of mine as the Stroman deal was was going down, and I asked his thoughts. And you know, he even mentioned that he thought maybe David Peterson would have been somebody that potentially could be in the deal. Alas, he wasn't. But when this news of Marcus Stroman came down, I was just like, "Wow, you know, the Mets are making some moves here." And this is why you gotta love having a GM who's a former agent who's not afraid to take the plunge, to make a deal. Because, to me, I was prepared to spend pretty much the— and I I was going to tell you today, forget about all these rumors, forget about all this stuff that you're hearing out there, because the reality is the Mets are going to try to see what the deals are for Vargas, for Wheeler, for Frazier. I think they're close enough, regardless of what happens over the next— couple of games before the deadline in Chicago they're close enough to the wild card and they're close enough to 500 where unless they get a real value that'll help them next year I didn't think they were going to make a lot of moves I thought there was going to be a lot of talk a lot of buzz maybe Wheeler gets flipped at some point uh, if they really get something they like but from what I'm hearing you know with Cindergaard and Edwin Diaz just because a team checks in on somebody doesn't mean they're looking to deal them and I just find it hard when you hear so many teams, whether it's the Padres with their top prospects, the Astros, well, this guy's off-limits, that guy's off-limits. And it seems like every one of the really quality prospects in these organizations are off-limits. You're saying to yourself, what's the point of trading a guy like Sinigard when you have to work so hard to develop these young players? Uh, you could draft and develop your own young players. Why flip a guy that you have control for a couple of years? Why even flip a guy like Wheeler where, like I've said in prior podcast, the Mets hold all the cards. He, they have the, the qualifying offer. You know, forget about, oh, the Wilpons can't afford the $18 million. Well, you don't know if he accepts it, number one. Number two, you know, it's $18 million for one year. And, you know, the Mets have shown an inclination under this GM and this ownership group right now that they're trying to win it over the next couple of years. And, you know, they are, you know, based on this trade, doing some damage to their farm system. Um, But I like it because, guess what? What Brody Van Wagen is not doing is hugging prospects and holding on to prospects because he's confident that he's going to have more. He's going to have more opportunities to draft. He's going to have more opportunities to go out there and build a farm system. And by the way, he's not going to be rated by the media, by the fans, maybe by the media by ownership, for having a baseball uh, prospectus or Baseball America or MLB Pipeline top 10 farm system, he's not going to be rated like that. He's going to be rated by wins and losses. And right now, he's getting killed because guess what? He had a great draft just a month ago, and nobody's talked about it because the Mets are losing. So he goes out there and he trades a guy like Anthony Kay, a homegrown guy, guy from Long Island that hasn't really impressed at the AAA level. Where the reports are, you know, mid-rotation guy. And you trade a guy who's very young in Simeon Woods Richardson, has great peripherals, looks to have great stuff, throws hard, you know, still working on some of his secondary pitches. Don't know if he's going to be a starter or a reliever. Profiles is a guy who could be a top-of-the-rotation guy, but he's 18 years old. He's at least three years, at least, if everything goes right, three years away, maybe more. I mean, look at Steven Matz. He was drafted in 2009. He didn't make his debut to 2015. That's that's almost more than a half... That's more than a 50% of a decade before the guy made his major league debut. By that time, if that's Simeon Woods-Richardson, the Mets are in a completely different situation. You have no idea at this point. So they're bringing in a guy, Marcus Stroman, who's an all-star, who's a guy that can be a top-of-the-rotation guy. Yeah, you know the reports. I see the negativity already where... The guy's a ground ball pitcher. The Mets defense stings, blah, 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 all this stuff. You know what? Uh, if a guy could pitch and a guy could get out, it's not like, you know, the Mets have their issues on defense. Frazier's not a bad third baseman. Uh, you know, we know that Rosario has his issues. Rosario has been improving a little bit over the last couple of uh, months. Uh, Cano has his limitations at his age. By this time, with positioning and whatnot, I still think that range and all those other things. Uh, you know, can be compensated for. Stroman to me is exactly the kind of move that you make when you're trying to win now and win in the future because whatever you give up, and Woods Richardson is the guy that may give you some pain. I don't think Kay is going to give you pain because mid rotation guys like Kay, um, you know, you could find those guys. You know, it's the guy that's the top end, that's the elite, that, that's the stud. Those are the guys that become harder to find as you go along. So there's really no reason to dislike this trade. The only people that will dislike this trade are those that worry about prospect rankings and worry about the structure of their farm system. And to me, that's a fluid thing. That's an evolving thing. And right now, you know what I worry about? I worry about the big league roster. I worry about a team that has Jacob deGrom in his prime, uh, that has Pete Alonzo and Jeff McNeil emerging as stars. Uh, that has, obviously, Robbie Cano, whatever you have left in the uh, late prime of his years. Uh, you have some interesting pieces with Dom Smith and J.D. Davis. Um, you have a closer who's in his prime and Edwin Diaz who struggled but is in his prime. Uh, and you have a New York uh, ownership group that may have its limitations and may have, sh- may have shown some warts in how they go about business, but has shown an inclination where if there's an opportunity to make a big move, they'll spend – You know, they did it with the DeGrom extension. They did it when they brought in Johan Santana. Sometimes they they may be penny-wise and pound-foolish with the rest of the roster, but I think that they've been working on that. And to me, this is a move that it confuses the industry because it's not a zero-sum thinking move. And that's what this industry suffers from uh, right now. Either you're a contender and you add, and if you're not a contender or if you're a middle ground team, you don't add, you sell. I mean, teams are two, three, four games out of the wild card in a muck of a wild card race that anybody could win. And they're being applauded for selling off. Whatever happened to what winning is all about? You know, if you go back and you look, and recently they did a documentary about the 1995 Seattle Mariners, a team that in August was 13 games out of first place. And if you go back and you look at the Yankees that same year, Uh, The Yankees were under 500 late in the year. Um, They acquired David Cohn while they were trying to make uh, a run. And, um, you know, by today's standards, if the 1995 Yankees were in today's game, they would have demanded, they would have ridiculed that move, and they would have demanded they sell. I mean, the 1995 Yankees, who made a run and, and should have probably beaten the Seattle Mariners, were on August... The July thirtieth. Well, today is July third. Let's look at July thirtieth, right before the deadline. They were forty three and forty two. Now they're only four and a half games out of first place, um, but they would wind up losing the division by about fifteen games, and they had to make a huge run to come back in the wild card with a huge September uh, to make it. And 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 many people they played poorly the whole year. They were a disappointment the entire year. Very similarly to what. The Mets have been under Van Wagenen this year. And the Yankees, under George, and he was criticized for it for, to a certain degree because they were like, ah, oh, the Yankees are never going to win under Steinbrenner. Uh, they went for it. And Cone wound up being not only a good pitcher for them that year, but also in the future. Now, will will this Mets team make a run at 50-55 and and, and 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 do anything significant like the 95 Yankees did? I don't know. And the odds are, mathematically are, they won't. But what Brody Van Wagenen has shown you with this move that A, you can't predict what he's going to do. B, he's thinking out of the box. He's always thinking out of the box. C, he's always trying to win. He's always trying to win. Um, and and you have to admire that. You just don't know. You know he's, he's challenging. He challenged his staff during the draft this year to think out of the box and be creative. He's doing the same thing right now with the way he's approaching team building. And he's throwing the industry into disarray because they can't figure it out because it's not zero-sum thinking. He's saying, you know, I'm a middle-of-the-pack team. I believe because of all the close games and gut-punching losses, I could at least be 55-50, and maybe better. And if I was, this wouldn't even be questioned, this move. Uh, He's making sure that his 2020 season uh, is not going to be compromised by anything he does now. And who knows? I mean, there's still two or three days left before the deadline. And who knows? It's 8.30 right now on a Sunday. What could be next up his sleeve? What I do know is that you have a GM that wants to go out there and wants to win. And I'm not always sure during the Alderson years that Alderson was playing to win. I think Alderson was a lot more conservative, and some of that had to do with the financial situation that he was put in when he came in in 2010, when there was the whole Madoff situation, which, by the way, by 2014, 2015, they were just coming out of it. And, and the one movie did make for Cespedes... He was almost forced into that because the Gomez move was more of a, yeah, you're playing to win, but it was a conservative move, and uh, a move that could have looked very badly because Gomez was hurt, and you know you wouldn't have had Zach Wheeler right now, and you would have lost a, a big piece like Wilmer Flores. To me, all that Van Wagenen did here is give up maybes, and I'm really sick and tired of hearing the media and hearing fans worry more about players. They haven't even seen pitch or play and rankings that are made by people that have an agenda that, you know, their opinion's as good as 50 other people's opinions. Uh, That's not what sports is about. Sports is about winning. Sports is about the big league club. And the one thing I would like to hear is, okay, you know, Brody's been aggressive with his prospects. What is his plan to keep a, a farm system somewhat flush? And maybe the way they evaluate, they have this guy, Adam Gutteridge who has his own prospect evaluation procedure. Uh, that's what his background is uh, in the analytics uh, segment. Maybe he has a different way of looking at some of these guys. Uh, so maybe that's what you're seeing with these deals. But all I know is is you have a GM that's out there and wants to win, and he's pushing his chips to the center of the table constantly, and it's fun. And the Mets are making news. They're making waves. They're angering people. They're angering people in the media. And to me, it's great. Everything about this is great. And I've never seen a fan base more despondent about acquiring a top-of-the-rotation pitcher than what I see on Twitter. Uh, The Mets got better today. The Mets got better in 2019. The Mets got better in 2020. And if things don't work out, they could trade Marcus Stroman this offseason. They could trade him at the beginning of next season towards the deadline. And I don't want to hear about value and this and that. If Marcus Stroman is pitching well, and he's the difference between a team that's looking to win now and make the playoffs and needs a pitcher uh, or not. They'll get something for him. And I think the guy across town, Brian Cashman, who desperately needs a pitcher, and if anything, it's been proven this past week that he desperately needs a pitcher, would take a little bit of that same risk instead of sitting back and waiting for the marketing of C&D prospects to come through for him. Maybe the Yankees would already have a World's Championship in their pocket in the last 10 years instead of not. Mets The Yankees actually could learn a little bit from Brody Van Wagenen. Imagine if Brody Van Wagenen was in the Bronx right now. Marcus Stroman probably would be a member of the New York Yankees, a team that probably needs him even more than the Mets do. Hey, let's take a quick break. When we return, Rich Mancuso, New York Sports Day, will be joining me. We'll talk about uh, this deal, what he thinks is coming up. What's next for Brody Van Wagenen? Trader Brody, that's what I'm going to call him. You're listening to the Talking Mets podcast. We'll be back with Rich Mancuso of New York Sports Day right after this you know I just feel like they're going to flip him but a lot of
0: chatter was that teams were going to make trade for for the future and Stroman's a controllable piece next year so now you start thinking about putting him in that rotation with some of these other guys and the Mets you know could have the best one two three in, in all of baseball which might help him compete this year might get him back in but Stroman's a guy that I think has outstanding stuff he is very entertaining. You know, he's he's gonna irritate some people, but he's got a great sinker-slider combination with an outstanding change-up curveball. I mean, you look at the numbers, he's fifth in in the American League in ERA behind Cole and Verlander, Barrios and Charlie Moore. This guy can really pitch. No doubt, yeah. And and he's got he's got four or five pitches to get you out.
2: All right, we're back, and joining me, driving back from City Field, probably a little later than what he anticipated. New York Sports Day's own Rich Mancuso. You can check him out on Twitter at ring786. Does great great work over at nysportsday.com. Rich, uh, pleasure to have you on again. You know, you and I are going to do a lot yeah. of speculating on this uh, podcast, and at about what, you know, five thirty, six o'clock. Brody Van Wagen yeah. did what Ooh. he's been doing. He's, he did what he's been doing. He goes for it. He likes to play poker. He likes to put his chances. Very aggressive. In yeah. Very aggressive. Yeah. It is a breath to me, and I'll start with this. I don't care mm-hmm. whether you like the trade or not, and I don't know whether, know whether you like what Brody's done to date or not. From what I read, not a lot of people do, but it's beyond, yeah. refreshing. beyond refreshing to see a GM who goes for winning now and and goes for it. And takes a stand and has, for lack of a better word, you know, this is a family show, has some onions, if you want to call it that.
0: Yeah. Well, you know what, Mike? Uh, first of all, this caught us off, off, go- off guard uh, like 20 minutes after the game ended today. And uh, Marcus Stroman had been the center of attention with the Yankees, but they turned sour on him and a couple other teams. But basically when it comes to this, I don't I don't like prospects going away. Uh, you know, I, I saw that with the Diaz-Canotre, and I don't like that. And, yes, I like the fact that Brody wants to win and is aggressive and wants to keep improving this team. And, obviously, they feel that they can still go for it. And, let's face it, realistically, this team still has a shot at second wild card, one of them. They're still six games away from that, and the schedule's in their favor. But, more importantly... It, this deal, giving away two young prospects, again, Anthony Kay, who I thought for sure would be up here by September and would be in their plan for next year. This deal sets the stage, obviously, for more, and we're seeing that to develop. It's pissed off Yankee fans, and we know that because they wanted Marcus Stroman. I know how many Yankee fans I know, and on Twitter, on my feed, and everywhere else, are talking to them. They wanted Stroman. I know the Yankees did, but they kind of got sour with him at some point in the last week. But what it does, it sets up more for Brody to do because he's going to get, he has more prospects that maybe he could swim away with Zach Wheeler. I could see definitely, and that's the consensus from this trade late this afternoon, early this evening, that Zach Wheeler is definitely going to get traded before the deadline. Where and who comes back, that that we don't know. But that Zach Wheeler definitely will be out of here. And uh, something comes back in return. And it's setting up the Mets more maybe if they make a the shot at it this year, despite what the record is. And a late run. Look, the Giants are doing something no one expected. The Nationals came back. And and uh, you, you can't make a Cowboy saying that all the time. But it doesn't hurt the Mets as far as rotation standards because you're getting a pretty good pitcher in Marcus Stroman. Yeah, he's coming to the National League, so uh, no more DH. And uh, he's coming to the National League, and, and he has doesn't have the record to show it right now, coming from the Blue Jays. However, this is a quality starter, a local product that will draw fans obviously to be an interest. He's already tweeted out it's good to be coming home, that a dream did add, come add true. A
2: and a picture of himself yeah. in an old school, yeah. old school Mets yeah. jacket—the kind of jacket, yeah. the starter jacket that I remember wearing uh, from the '80s. You know, back when I was in you know seventh and eighth grade. And and look, Rich, I'll tell you something here. This is the part that analytics and logic and everybody thinks they have yeah. team building figured out. We're in a zero sum thinking world. Either you're a contender, and and the media decides who's a contender. Because it doesn't matter if you're a couple of games out of a wild card or first place. The media says, well, you're a contender and you're not, and then you have everybody yeah. else. So they're trying to create yeah. – the one thing that they'll complain about, they're trying to create, is this wide divide. And maybe that's the, yeah. the reality of the NBA, and, 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 and it's maybe to a certain degree the reality of, of certain aspects of the NFL, but that's not baseball. And the thing about no. Marcus Stroman that the fans are not realizing, well, he's only under control until 2020. He's from the area. Do you he think is. he's not yeah. going to want to give this team every opportunity to re-sign him? It's not like they're importing someone who's from Texas, who wants to go no. play uh, uh, you know, with the Rangers or the Astros. He's uh, from here. You know, it's like when they wouldn't have done the A's. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, when the Mets acquired Frankie Viola, now things went bad with Frankie Viola uh, you know, yeah. over the course. But they signed him right away. They gave him a two-year extension right away. Uh, when he yeah. came. Hey. Um,
0: he's came. 26 years old. Yeah, look, look, you know, he's 26 years old. The one thing we know about Brody is that he's aggressive, as we said, and he's going to pull the trigger when he has to to make this team better. And obviously, with Wheeler, that looks like, again, the guy to go, that uh, Wheeler is not going to get re signed and some other team, and he could get something back at him. Also, uh, the Yankees now might be in position to say to the Mets, to say to Brody, we need Zach Wheeler because it seems like the Yankees are going to have problems getting who they want to, to help that rotation out. And I know they still want Zach Wheeler. I know that. I heard that today. And the fact is that the Yankees want Zach Wheeler, now the Mets will have to get something good back. So the Mets are in great position right now. They pulled the trigger. They, they, they've got the, the everything rolling now. They get a lot of things in motion between now and the deadline Wednesday afternoon. So, you know, I, I think in the long run, it's this is a good move for the Mets. And, again, with prospects, as you and I know, and as you said and I said, it's a hit or a miss. You don't know, okay? Uh, Anthony Kay was the guy, the key guy here that I really didn't want to see him go. Woods, uh, Simone Woods Richardson, another top draft pick of the Mets, Another one that has the potential to be really good in the major leagues. But one scout told me just a moment ago that Marcus Stroman is a great fit for New York and that this is a sign that the Mets want to win this year. They still feel that they can do something this year. And if not, they're setting the pieces together for a winning team next year for sure. And I think that's what Brody's intentions
2: are. Rich Mancuso, New York Sports Day, uh, does great work. Uh, nobody better to have reaction here uh, just leaving City Field. Rich, why do you think uh, the Mets would potentially make Wheeler the guy to go than Syndergaard? I've seen reports that Syndergaard's more likely to go. He can net them more prospects. I mean, that's, again, maybe some people trying to do their own little logic proof by, well, Syndergaard will yield them prospects. Uh, you know, they'll keep Wheeler. They'll they'll pitch him the rest of the year. Maybe they'll try to sign him to an extension. Um, do you agree with with them trading Wheeler? Do you think that there's still a chance that this could flip? I mean, remember, we have three or four days yet until the deadline. A lot could happen. Uh, could you see a scenario where they keep everybody and then, you know what, they they play out the year. Oh, they wow. Offer Wheeler That's a good question. The, no. You know, they offer you Wheeler the qualifying offer. You know, I could see that scenario maybe.
0: It is. I mean, you know, one on one hand, and 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 when I left the ballpark last night, thought about talked about it this morning at the ballpark with a couple of my colleagues, and batted this around, uh, and this was a question that was posed to Mickey Coway after the game today, who said, "What we, what, what I was thinking, you know, why do you want to break this up? You know, they, uh, the pitching staff currently after today still holds second in baseball in the ERA." They're doing what they had to do, what they should have done in the first half, okay? But they're doing it now. They seem to have blossomed. And I don't know if it was the removal of Dave Island. Everybody's praising uh, Reagan, the, the new pitching coach. Uh, you know, Mike, so it's like uh, this could be a Dave Island thing that occurred in the first half. I had heard there had been Flashes with some of the starters, some of the guys on the pitching staff with Dave Island, which is understandable. He has a different philosophy. And this could be a change in the pitching coach as to why his staff is performing because they are a totally different pitching staff out of the all-star break. We're seeing that. Now, to get back to what you said, Zach Wheeler is a, it's a walk-off deal. So it's a hit or a miss with him. If they can get something substantially back and I if a position player and some prospects or some more pitching to make up for what they've lost, then it's worth it. And I think there's more to this and there's more to come. This is the beginning of putting the puzzle together at this, this year's trade deadline for the Mets. Last year was Jacob DeBrom. We all knew that wasn't going to happen. But when we left the ballpark last night and I wrote about it last night, I didn't think anything was going to happen. The feeling was the Mets are not going to do a thing. They're going to leave it the way it is and go with uh, eventually with the prospects that just got traded in this trade and go with the rotation that's in place right now that's been performing real well. Uh, But I still think Wheeler goes. And Jason Vargas is 50-50, who also had a mediocre outing today, but he gave the Mets six good innings.
2: Rich Mancuso, New York Sports Day. Hey, Rich, I'll tell you what. Uh, Vargas is an interesting case because the Mets have an option on him. Uh, it was a $2 million buyout, um, and he could potentially could earn, I think, eight or $10 million next year. I'm trying to add Oh, uh, $8 million next year, $2 million buyout. That's and another thing if, with
0: Strowman. Yeah,
2: Strowman is, yeah, I mean, uh,
0: is not right. He's in good. he's in control right now, at least for another what year or two. So,
2: so they've got actually, if I they want, yeah. they've got five starters for next year. And I think the point is, yeah, they got Strowman, assume Wheeler, put him out because he gets traded or you know qualifying offer. He's not a gimme. Would you be so quick? And I understand what happened in Chicago. I get the whole the, the team and yeah. ownership. Mets owners don't like when players do things that put them in a position that they're. Yeah. Making and By the, the way, that's in the
0: past. That's all that's forgotten. In the past. Nobody even brings it up. It's all in the past.
2: I I know, but ownership sometimes look. You know, I'm not comparing it to Vince Coleman and the Bleach and Brett Saberhagen and all that stuff, the Firecrackers, the Bleach, all that. But it was a stain on the team. But I look at a guy who's above league average, who's pitching about the same way that he was pitching. During his All-Star season in 2017, Uh, he he gives you enough as a fifth starter to navigate like he did today. He's going to get clobbered by some of the better-hitting teams, but in an era of a lot of velocity and a lot of guys just throwing the caveman baseball, trying to throw the ball as hard as they can. Mm -hmm. There's a guy that pops in, changes speeds, change up, change up, change up. The change up
0: is that look. I, I today the changeup wasn't as effective as it was Tuesday night, but he pitched some game Tuesday night in the opening series with the Padres, and that changeup was averaging 74, and you couldn't hit him. The Padres couldn't touch him. Granted, the Padres are a young team, and uh, you know, they, they, like I said, they still have some good hitters on that team, but he fooled a lot of that lineup, the San Diego lineup. And this will Jason Vargas looks superb on Tuesday. And I think that game not his stay here with the Mets. I don't think the Mets want to part with him. They see what they can still get from him. And I, I so I don't think he's going. I really don't. That he can go to that change up, which is now becoming the better pitch in baseball for a pitcher, not the fastball, because we see what the fastballs is doing to pitchers. Velocities are down and the arms and the shoulders are getting hurt. And more and more pitchers are going for surgeries are going on the injured list. So the change up is effective enough, That and, and Jason Vargas has that.
2: Absolutely. Uh, and and I don't think he's appreciated a lot. I think he's looked at he's as not. you know a guy that. He's not. Uh, Let me just. You know, not, well, not
0: Mike, I don't want to cut ahead. you off because uh, it's your spot. But I, look, I want to clarify something. Jason Vargas is as nice as can be. I don't have a problem with him. And a lot of other guys in that in the media circle around the Mets all the time don't have a problem with him. Okay? He's, a, he's just a uh, – you know, one thing about – and I'm going to say this. I'm not going to mention names. All right? But these guys today are not like the guys like me and guys that came up years ago. We don't keep pounding and pounding the issue to make a ball player turn on you. You just can't can't do that. You can be critical. That's a part of our job. That's what we do. But you don't have to just make the situation continually get worse by pounding a ball player, pitcher, whatever it is, every day about the same damn thing that these guys like to do because they've got to sell. They have to make sure that their jobs are safe and that they have good volume and they they get enough hits on their websites or whatever it be. Okay, because let's face it, it's not a newspaper industry no more. It's all websites, okay, and, and and so they have to make sure that they're becoming the star, not the ball player. And Jason Gargus, and I'm clarifying it again, is the nicest as can be. He will answer his questions. He will answer them as nice as can, and give you the the best answer that could be. They're brief and to the point, and that's it. Get it and leave. So if, if they're holding back that incident in Chicago. Okay, which was a total misunderstanding, that's completely wrong. The guy is a veteran pitcher, a left-handed against the Mets' innings, and if the bullpen performs, then you have a win. Today, at that, that showed again, except that Edwin Diaz made it interesting. And by the way, all these rumors about Edwin Diaz, that's why I hate the trade deadline. That's why I hate this time of year. All those rumors are just rumors. Why would the Mets trade Edwin Diaz?
2: It makes no sense. No sense at all. Who's well, gonna now, pose you Now game everybody here? everybody who talks look, I talked to a scout while this Strowman stuff is going on. I could you know, I tweeted out, you know, speculation that the you know the Jays like Peterson uh, here and that Wheeler might be in a deal. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of different stuff. That doesn't mean it's gonna happen. Now people are like, Oh, you do you no. know your sources suck. Oh, I didn't say it was gonna happen. Well, guy told me he knows no. for a fact that, you know, I said, Who do you think the Mets might be giving up? in the in the deal with the Blue Jays before it came out that it was yeah. Kay and Simeon Woodson. He said, "Well, I do know that Peterson is a guy that they like the Blue Jays that Yeah, is, A, lot, at one a point. Lot, lot of baseball uh, a
0: lot of scouts love Peterson. They think he has a lively fastball and they like his breaking ball. So, you know, and he knows how to cut corners, which they like, but and he can give you some innings, but he hasn't proven that yet. He really hasn't. And when you look at his stats and you look what he's done up here and what he's done at uh Triple A Syracuse, they haven't been phenomenal enough to say that this guy's going to be a quality, effective starter in anyone's rotation, even the Mets. So, uh, I mean, if that's a guy that teams want, I could see him going, but, and you got to give the guy a chance. But he's not my type of pitcher that I would uh, say, you know what? This is a guy we got to keep and put him in a rotation tomorrow.
2: I almost feel, Rich, that the the fans is and maybe I'm looking at the Twitterverse because that's where the reaction is. Maybe I'm not looking at the average fan because the world, you know, 85 percent of the world, ninety percent of the world's not on Twitter. You know, when you go to a ballpark, fifty thousand fans, forty <laughs> thousand fans, they're I not wish, all on Twitter. Sometimes
0: I wish, yeah. Well, sometimes I wish I wasn't on Twitter. <laughs> but that's the world we're in today. That's that's the world we live
2: in. You know, it's social media.
0: Years the right. uh, the ago,
2: they go rather again. they rather rip the team apart. They would all be yeah. happy if they ripped this team apart, traded for all these. Oh, we have you know 12 of the top 100 MLB pipeline uh, players, or you know uh, Baseball America just raised our out. ranking they by 10. It. And I'm saying yeah. to myself, when I was young, this is sad because when I was young, when the Mets acquired Frankie Viola, they didn't worry about Kevin Tappeny. They didn't worry about no. uh, David West. David West was a huge prospect at that time. No. Yeah, you know, Rick Aguilar no. wound up being a great reliever, but you all know relievers, you could, you, know, you could always find them. Frank Viola came and won 20 games for the Mets the following year. Uh, he was pretty good yeah. the year after that. He, you know, he, he broke down a little bit towards the end of 91. There was a lot of other things going on there. Uh, and the Mets almost made the postseason with Frank Viola combining with Doc Gooden at the top of that rotation. You know, they they yeah. went for it. So they went for it. There was I no. There was
0: no. I just don't get it. The word the word analytics didn't exist then either. That's another factor here. That word and analytics I'm not anti analytics.
2: I'm not anti analytics. That's 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 oh, not what I I'm, saying, what I'm
0: saying. I am. I, it, it's ruined the game because uh, when a manager has to go into his office and sees the lineup card on his desk before the game starts, where he could put his Opinion in or line up together. There's something wrong. That's wrong. I uh, and I don't believe it because you got young guys putting numbers together, calculating this and look. I know one of the analytic guys who got hired at the winter meeting this past December in Las Vegas, uh, and he got hired to be one of those guys that send information to the teams. I know him. He's a young guy out of SUNY Purchase College. Got the job because he sold them on analytics and numbers and they loved it and now he's got this position somewhere that feeds major league baseball with all these numbers that's what this game has become a numbers game not only with that but with the contracts and everything else and you know what mike i said straight out i'm sick and tired of it it makes you not want to watch the game or get interested in the game and it comes down to the trades it comes down to all this it comes down to what guy analytically does this better than this one we want him and not him and i think that's totally wrong
2: Rich, do you see them trading uh, Frazier? Do you see them? Uh, I mean, this idea that they're going to get Manny Margot for Syndergaard—that doesn't excite me. I like Manny Margot no, no. as a center fielder. Not, you know, I like defense up uh, the middle, but yeah. that's Juan mm-hmm. Lagarus. I mean, basically, that's another version yeah. of Juan Lagarus there.
0: I could, Liga- I could see Lagarus. I could see maybe, uh, maybe he getting traded. I would rule out Dom Smith. He had been talked about, but Dom Smith now has got the left foot injury. I talked to him today. He's not even making the trip to. To Chicago and Pittsburgh with the team, he's getting the MRI or whatever he's getting evaluated more on Monday. But I know his name kept coming up, and Dom had been concerned. He had told me he's in. Today, I hope I stay here. I love this. I love New York. I love the guys. I love this clubhouse. Blah blah blah. You know. Um, but the scope to Todd Frazier has been very very evasive about it. I think he knows that he's on the trade block because of the situation, his contract and so forth. I could see Frazier going, but where and who, I don't know. Uh, and and uh, possibility of, uh, again, like Zach Wheeler. I'm pretty sure Wheeler does go. I hate to see him go because I think he's still got it. He, he can offer a lot to this team. But now with Strowman in the fold, they don't need a fine dealer, uh, Wheeler. They can do other things. And that's what this is about to build more this year, maybe go for it, and then look at next year uh to make even more improvements
2: uh is Stephen Matts turning a corner uh, exciting outing last night I mean I didn't, I don't know. If I didn't bring him up I, I mean to know. me to me, the only thing you can say is this: if you trade Vargas, Matt should be at least a quality five and yeah. Oh, yeah. and then you've got you you've got degrom, you've got cindergard, you've got Strowman. And then the question yeah. is: Do you qualify off for Wheeler? Keep him, you know, make a run for as much as you can, uh, qualify off for him, and then maybe he comes back for eighteen million dollars uh, next year. I I don't know because you know the market is tricky. These players now that qualifying offer, the prospect money. I, I mean, I'm just amazed. I got to tell you, Rich, I'm just looking at the reaction on Twitter. There are people saying this is a this this is a dark day in Mets history. You just acquired a top of the rotation pitcher. For a guy that maybe at this point yeah. is a number five starter in K, maybe a little bit better. Why? And a kid who's 18, a a kid who's day, 18 yeah. years old. A kid who's 18 years old. He may never make it to AAA. I, know. I don't understand. Well, that. you
0: know, that's just it's a dark day to them because they gave away prospects. No one likes giving up prospects. In fact, the Mets need prospects. They don't need to lose them. Uh, we know that. So no one likes they're like a corner of their dark day. But the idea again, and not the whole concept is to improve, to make it better, to go for that possible late run this year, which is not out of the question. Despite the record is they're five games on the five hundred, they're only six games away from that wild card. And look at next year. And I think Brody's trying to look at the mistakes he made. During the off season, well, let's face it, a lot of them were mistakes. A lot of bad moves were made. And he's trying to make it better again. Uh, you got to give this some time. And I really do think that the uh, Met fans uh, are jumping the gun again. Uh, I, I'm going to be the to tell you what I said moments ago. I don't like giving away prospects because it sometimes backfires. But then again, you don't know. Prospects are a hit or a miss. Some will make it. Some of them never do. And in this case, with Kay, I think the Mets might have missed the mark and should have given this guy the time to be here to prove himself, slot him in, because he, the scouts love him. And when you hear that from scouts, you know, that's a guy you, you don't let him go. You keep him. But they got a quality starter in return that's going to be here for a long time and is going to love playing in New York. And he's 26 years of age. The record speaks the way it really speaks to him. I think he doesn't... His record is a lot to be desired, but that doesn't show what he's capable of doing. Because with with the Blue Jays, overall, a 3.76 ERA. At five postseason starts, he he had a 4.40 ERA. I'm reading this right now from the information I'm getting. And um, he's got a nice repertoire of pitches. And can he cut it in the National League? Yes, he he can. He'll be able to. I think it's, it's, it's a good move in the fact that they got Stroman. A bad move, again, that they had to give away prospects that you need. And that's Anthony Kaye in that equation. That's what bothers me more. But a dark day in Mets history? Absolutely not. This wasn't Tom Steven getting traded away the franchise. So let's remember now, that. Now,
2: and, and look, remember something, too. You love Alonzo. You love McNeil. You would tear this down and do a five-year rebuild. You might as well trade those guys because by the time you're good, three, four years from now, they're going to be getting expensive. They're going to be heading into late arbitration. And, and you're going to be in, faced with the same situation if you don't win at that point.
0: Maybe by that time, ownership, there'll be new ownership. Who knows?
2: Uh, you, know? you know, I
0: don't I – don't, yeah, <laughs>
2: you can't play that game because, you know, listen, I'll ask you this. I'm going to put you a little on the spot. So you wouldn't have you 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 would have made this deal or you wouldn't have made this deal, knowing what you know no do you at least I, you have made this deal
0: I wouldn't have made it because of the prospect because I've heard so much and I've seen him pitch uh I haven't seen the other guy, but K, I I have, and uh that's why I wouldn't have done it stroman though changes that thought a little bit that thought process a little bit. And again, I make this deal and I like this deal only because it leads to something else before Wednesday or by the deadline. And that meaning, again, that Zach Wheeler is on the way out and they're going to get more back for that. So, uh, But overall, to answer your question, no, I wouldn't have made the deal because of the two prospects or whoever else they may give up in this deal because it hasn't been finalized. It's, uh, it's there and it looks like it's done, but we only heard two names that uh, there might be more coming back to the Mets or more that the, I, the Mets are getting two, but I did they getting something back along with Stroman as well. But, uh, and then you got, you know, again, the positive thing is you got a quality starter in Stroman and you got a, you got a, a pitcher here that goes right into the rotation and also will be here for a long time. They, they, they don't have to worry about that. He's uh, going to command some money, but not right away. And they have him. And anyway,
2: he might nope. force them less than it would with Wheeler if Wheeler goes. So, you know, nope. it's, it, there's a I lot of yeah, A lot. A lot. Rich, it's going to be a wild 72 to 96 hours. Buckle yeah, up. It is. Uh, get yourself a cup <laughs> of coffee. Get some rest. Not too much rest, because yeah. who knows? I might have to call you at 2 in the morning and say, wait a minute, there's another deal. But uh, always appreciate yeah. you coming on. Check Rich out at NYSportsDay.com. We'll do it again, my friend, and, and thank you so much.
0: Well, Mike, thanks. It's always a pleasure. Keep up the good work. And, again, I'm going to tell Mets fans to be optimistic. This is the game today, as I write on New York Sports Day all the time. This is the way the game is constructed today. It's all about the business, okay? But we have a general manager in Brody who is very aggressive, wants to win, and will do everything to make up for his mistakes and to get better from the mistakes he has made. So that's, uh, that's starting to show. And we'll see where it goes, you know? So anytime, Mike, I'm always here for you, my friend. Keep up the great work, and don't let those Twitter buddies
2: bother you. <laughs> no problem. Thank you, Rich. That's All Rich you right. so NYSportsDay.com, at uh, Ring786 on Twitter. Let's take a quick break, uh, wrap up, final thoughts. You're listening to the Talking Mets podcast. We'll be back with more right after this.
1: I realized that it could have possibly been my last home start, so definitely just wanted to show the crowd some love because the last six Seven years um, that I've been a Blue Jay, it's been unbelievable. So, I don't know what's going to happen here, so I'm truly not trying to think about it. I'm just trying to take it day by day. I feel like I've had a pretty good 10 years a Blue Jay. Um, hopefully, this will be my third inning, throwing 200 innings or more. I feel like I've pitched pretty well in the best division in baseball. You know what I mean? There's been no willingness from the front office to sign me, so I've just kind of come to terms with it, and um, I'm ready to dominate, wherever that may be. Absolutely dominate. So many different moments, it's been so many. Um, it's hard to, obviously, 15 and 16 were whirlwind years, and those are kind of the moments that will always hit home. Uh, obviously I pitched, I pitched game five and I pitched a wild card game. So to Bautista's Homer and Eddie's Homer. So those, those are kind of the two scenes that kind of um, will always have a lasting effect on my memory for sure. Just that how loud it was in those moments and how crazy the fans were. Um, I'll definitely always be thankful for those times. Like I said, I ha- I'm extremely thankful for the fans from coast to coast in Canada, it's been unbelievable. Um, since 2012, I've been drafted, you know what I mean? I came in here not knowing what I was getting into and kind of tiptoeing around being a Blue Jay, and I've loved every second of it. And it's definitely huge thanks to the fans from country, I mean, across the entire country, whether it be us uh, playing in Seattle, I was playing in Cleveland, I was playing in Minnesota, uh, it's unbelievable. So I'm very thankful that um, I've been a Blue Jay for this long, and I think it was a perfect place to start my career. And like I said, I'm just trying to take it day by day, and whatever happens, happens.
2: All right, we're back, and appreciate Rich Man Q so on with us. Look, I'll tell you this: Marcus Stroman to me is Anthony K. Ever gonna be Marcus Stroman? You don't know. Odds are, I mean, right now it's he's not. I mean, he's got a long way to go before he's that guy. And Simeon Woods Richardson, uh, you know, again, 17, 18 years old. There's a lot of drafts in between now and when he's uh, in the big leagues. There's a lot of stuff that could happen. I still think you look up, you look at the wild card, you look at the league, you look at the parity. Why would you, when you have DeGrom in his prime and you have guys like Alonzo and McNeil, uh, you know, and, and this rotation, which still to me, Sometimes I look at it and I'm like, you know, I don't want to rip it up. I want to give it every opportunity. I know it feels like we're we're waiting and we're waiting, and it's never going to happen. And we've already seen Harvey go by the wayside, and Wheeler's probably gone, and that whole Super Tuesday, which seems like yesterday, is so long ago. But to me, uh, they're doubling down on the current group, uh, and they're going to try to win. They're going to try to win in 2020, and maybe 2021, and I just feel like you could always rebuild. You could always tear something down. The hard thing, and I've said this, is to win now. And I don't understand why the media and the fans are more interested in prospect lists than they are about winning. And maybe I'm just taking Twitter, which is not the sample size of the universe uh, necessarily. I don't really particularly listen to a lot of talk radio with calls locally anymore. I'll listen to you know MLB Network and stuff like that, but I don't listen to WFAN anymore because that's not to me. That's just uh, you know a public telephone at this point, um, and maybe that's another version of Twitter. But I think you would get a different type of audience that you may get some similar opinion, but but not necessarily the same cross reference. I think the the Twitterverse is a little bit more younger a little bit more analytically inclined i think a little bit more concerned about prospect lists than the template of team building if you look at the astros and the cubs you know those are the only scenarios where rebuilds have gone and led to a winning you know most rebuilds may never get out of second gear you know chicago's been rebuilding for a while san diego's been building rebuilding for a while cincinnati's been rebuilding for a while Yeah, the Braves are starting to come around. Braves did a lot of shady stuff uh, in Latin America. It cost the guy his job. So maybe there was a little bit else going on there. You know, the Phillies have been rebuilding. And look, they rebuilt, and what did they wind up doing? They wound up going out and signing Bryce Harper and trading for Gene Secura. They wound up going for it. I didn't see anybody criticizing John Middleton and what the Phillies are doing. They signed a guy probably to one of the worst contracts, a 13-year deal. Mets are bringing in a local guy and a guy who might get energized by playing in front of his hometown fans who they could resign and maybe not have to break the bank to resign compared to what they may have to do for Cindergard or Wheeler. And, and you hope that, you know, they've done their due diligence on his health and the physical, and maybe he's a better health uh, risk than Wheeler will be. Wheeler's a huge health risk if you resign him to a longer-term deal. That's why I don't mind giving him the qualifying offer because you're only on the hook for a year. So... Uh, to me, this is a great deal. I continue to be impressed with how Brody Van Wagenen is going against the grain. He's thinking out of the box. He's creative. He's exactly—he's bringing exactly what I would hope somebody who was an out-of-the-box, unorthodox GM pick would bring. He's not just following the boring template that, let's face it, anybody could come in here and ask for five years to potentially trash this thing and rebuild it and live off of prospect rankings, and promise, well, your ETA is 2023. We used to hear that when Sandy was here in 2010. Well, the Mets ETA is 2013, and then it was 2014, and then it was 2016, and then they won in 2015, uh, which was a year ahead of schedule, and, and then they didn't really do anything with that. So, guys, there's no linear equation here. You have a chance to win. You have players in their prime you try to go for it and you try to win and that's what the Mets are trying to do and the next 3 days or so are going to be really really interesting and you should be excited. You shouldn't be down, you shouldn't be upset because for every Simeon Woods Richardson there's another kid just like that right around the bend in the international market, next year's draft. You know, maybe the guy's Matthew Allen. You know, maybe they already have that guy re- uh, replaced. And you don't get penance and you don't get banners for being at the top of the Baseball America prospect list. That's it. We're out of time. I want to thank our friend Rich Man Cuso. Check him out and all the other great writers over at NYSportsDay.com. I want to thank all the good folks that listen to me over at the Talking Podcast.com. If you want to send me an email, Mike Silva at Talking dot Podcast.com. You can also get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. We'll be back with another Talking Mets Podcast around the trade deadline. Stay tuned. You know, a lot could happen. Instant reaction, trade deadline. Just hold on to your hats. You'll see more Talking Mets podcast in the next couple of days. Be well, everybody.